I'm Sarah Elizabeth Smith, and this is the Theosophia Podcast, a platform for women's voices in theology. You can find us on all the social media outlets and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check out our Patreon page as well, and consider donating to this Labor of Love podcast for women's empowerment. Happy Advent to everybody. As many of you know already, it's the second week of Advent, the four-week period before Christmas. It's a season of preparation, contemplation, and an anticipation for the coming of the God incarnate, or God with us, Emmanuel. Today, in liturgical churches around the world, the second candle of the Advent wreath was lit, and it symbolizes peace. In my small group today, we went around and shared what peace meant for us in our lives in this last year, and I've been stuck on a couple things I wanted to share before we hear again from Reverend Michelle Wahila. Inner peace has been a huge focus of my spiritual life this last year in particular. I've learned so much about myself and and grown in my emotional and spiritual awareness so much so that when I get off balance and, and I feel myself begin to get chaotic, I experience this deep and primal yearning for groundedness and in, inner peace. I think there's a place in all of us that is our center and our source for life and joy, or simply where God is in each of us. Since we are made in God's image and created with her spirit and dwelling in our flesh, I think we can access the divine if we sit still, still enough and quiet enough to push past ourselves and our egos to let her shine through. I try to engage with uh, the part of God that's in me every day. I'm a huge fan of, of spiritual practices, of intentionality, whether it be yoga, getting in touch with my body, or contemplating a daily meditation. I need something every day to center myself on God and what she's up to in my life. Two resources I highly recommend. The Down Dog Yoga app, if you don't have time to go to an actual studio. The app is free and super easy to use, and it's very adaptable to what kind of practice you're looking for on a particular day. And also, I'm working through Richard Rohr's Preparing for Christmas daily meditations for Advent right now. And and every day, y'all, that man just opens up a spiritual worldview or insight that leaves me mesmerized all day long. He is the man. I would love to know y'all's resources for finding inner peace too. So be looking for an Instagram post soon and and share with the people what you do to practice. Lastly, another big part of peace in my life this year has been financial peace. I've made it my goal to get out of debt as soon as possible after graduate school, and I can finally say after putting my head down for about 15 months now, I'm I'm debt-free and it feels amazing. I'm a big believer in not having debt, if you can help it, and living within one's means as a spiritual discipline. And as a Christian, I feel really strongly about being able to use my resources to help others, As a member of Christ's body, the church, I'm responsible for my brothers and sisters and sharing my gifts and talents and wealth as a part of that commitment to be in relationship with one another. And now that I'm debt-free, I can more freely share what I have and contribute a full 10% tithe to my church community. And not everyone in every tradition might believe in that number, but it's what I've personally decided to practice. And the best resource I have for learning about personal finance is Dave Ramsey. One of my mentors a couple years ago introduced me to his plan on getting out of debt, and I read his book in probably two sittings, and I still listen to his podcast every week just to learn more and stay motivated. But this guy has amazing resources and programs out there to help folks 
find and attain financial peace. I know my church puts on his Financial Peace University program, and churches around the country do too, and I'm pretty sure every state you could find one of his classes. But anyways, his wisdom has been a huge blessing in my life, and I appreciate his gifts and talents in this world and how he has helped so many people find peace in their lives. Finances are no joke, y'all. I don't think we talk about them enough. It's still so taboo, but it should be a conversation, a theological one. How do we use God's money? But I'll save that for another podcast and not get ahead of myself. But this week, y'all, is our last episode with the wonderful and creative and talented Reverend Michelle Wahila. If y'all remember from last week, Michelle's the creator and owner of Ruffled by Grace, Parisian Wedding Blessings. She serves as an officiant for couples seeking personalized spiritual wedding blessings or to renew their wedding vows in Paris. In this episode, Michelle and I talk about her entrepreneurial church business, Ruffled by Grace. I hope y'all enjoy. Here's Reverend Michelle. So right now, talk about Ruffled by Grace, what that is, how it started, just all of it. I want to know everything. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, let's see. Where do I begin? So after I left my role as the associate pastor at the church in Paris, mm-hmm. I really was committed to um, being just a better mom and a better wife and dedicating my time to that. Um, and I needed to step back away from professional ministry for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed rest. I needed some healing. Mm. Um, and I needed to find Jesus again for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, took about a year of just real true Sabbath and contemplation <laughs> and um, stayed very much in touch with my circle of friends. And there was a photographer who I worked with often at the church who came to me and said, you should do this thing. I said, what thing? (laughs) And she said, there are people coming to France all the time, getting married and your voice is missing because there are a lot of options for them. None of which are really that spiritual unless they're truly getting married in the church. And there's really not Mm -hmm. that many options Mm -hmm. for people, English speakers coming here. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, that's cool. I'm happy. Um, doing what I'm doing. I feel God has really called me to this moment of rest and thank you so much. And she kind of kept on me and she said, you're really, you're talented. You're, you're missing, you're missing, mm-hmm. your voice is missing. No, mm-hmm. thank you so much. And, um, then I had another friend contact me from Pittsburgh, a couple coming over and they couldn't find anyone to marry them. Mm-hmm. And that was a problem for me. Oh yeah. And so I, I stepped in and I said, yes, they were, they were coming from another Protestant church. There was no reason that they shouldn't have a blessing over their lives together. Mm-hmm. And so I did it. And then one wedding became two weddings, two weddings became three <laughs> weddings, became 10 weddings. And the more I was doing it, the more I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing in this mm-hmm. moment. And it grew and grew. And I decided I really needed to kind of be official about it. Mm-hmm. And that meant in some way entering the business market in order right. to become known and to say, I'm a choice. When you come to France, you're not 
most foreigners are not being legally married here anyway. They're having a symbolic wedding ceremony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if it's not me, it's going to be another secular celebrant. And I thought, well, they're already coming to France. They want a blessing. They want to make this moment sacred. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't it be me? And, right. and, this, and it was you just have a complete all this- mindset. You have all this training and background and for me, like you, you are the kind of the gateway into Christian liturgy and practice to make a meaningful ceremony. Yeah. And I think it's just not a valuable skill set. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, because for so long I thought, well, what is an unemployed English speaking pastor going to do in Paris? Mm -hmm. And and I said, no, I'm going to mother and I'm going to mother and wife. Well, yeah, um, but sure. I did sort of feel a longing and it was just a matter of time and knowing where the call would be. I never would have guessed this. I couldn't have imagined this. I don't right. This is it's crazy. <laughs> when I saw your, I saw you like something on my Instagram page and I looked at your thing and I was like, whoa, she is doing <laughs> like, this is brilliant. Like, this is like, the neatest little business idea that is obviously super, you know, faith centered and driven from your skills as a pastor and a theologian, but you've marketed it and packaged it in a way that you are providing value to people that they obviously are going to in return pay you for, which makes a hundred percent total sense. But I just like, I was just like, oh my God, this is so cool. And I'm really happy you did it. Cause I think more and more people, especially women are going to have to be creative about the ways in which we earn money with our um, theology degrees and our ministry degrees because the, the traditional church is kind of dying. So, but there's still this huge need Well, and that's just it. Like I have people from all over the world contacting me and saying things like, I'm not even Christian, but I feel so connected to what you're saying about Mm -hmm. love and marriage. Will Mm -hmm. you still bless us? Mm -hmm. And it's always surprising to me that someone will even use that word, Mm -hmm. that word of blessing. Blessing, yeah. And and it's like, why should we limit blessing when, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're not inside the church doors. Mm-hmm. It just, it, for me, it, it does make total sense. Um, and it's been a process. I mean, it doesn't, you know, just overnight happen. I've had to think through a lot of business things that have been pretty uncomfortable, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was just that commitment to say, like, the church is missing out because we're not seeing it quite mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Can you say more about the the mixing of business with, with the church. I mean, it, it's always got to be a thing. I think about like these massive mega churches we have now in the States, like they are run as businesses and they generate money and produce content just like any other business would. I think that's why they do so well is they're speaking the American language of capitalism. Um, but I, I've, I'm sure as you do probably do too, a massive critique of the way in which those things go down. But like, but there is still this very real thing of you. We have to make money and make a living and support ourselves through our gifts and talents, just like anybody else does. 
Right. But what, right. what's been particularly challenging um, for you in the blending of those two things? Several things, but I think the things that come to mind are when you enter a market, I think you have to look around at the people who are already kind of providing what you're providing. And in mm-hmm. France, there were other um, pretty well-known celebrants providing a similar service, mm-hmm. not faith-based, but a similar um, professional service. Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing I think is you don't want to undercut them. Mm-hmm. So as the ministry, you can't just simply say, okay, well, I want this to be available to everyone at a cost for everyone because you would completely undercut the people who are already here right? and you, you ruin their living. You know, you mm-hmm. can't do that. Um, on the other hand, I wanted to remain committed to giving people the option of blessing. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance those? And mm-hmm. so it's been a process of kind of really market research mm-hmm. as well as, you know, praying through, okay, what does that look like for me? And right. so I do have various packages and I'm always going to have one that's that really pretty much if you're coming to Paris to get married, it's going to be in your, your budget because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to exclude people. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just that process of thinking those things through and trying to think of the other people who are already here mm-hmm. making a living, you have to, you have to be conscious of them and mm-hmm. it's important. So, and, and there are also a lot of women celebrants. And so you don't want, I, I just didn't want to step on toes. I want to be yeah. a good colleague, whether it's in ministry or as a celebrant. And I've mm-hmm. met some amazing celebrants now mm-hmm. that I'm kind of I've edged over <laughs> into the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very difficult. But I think I also learned, you know, you do have to market well. You yeah. have to tell your story. You have to, yeah. I don't think I hide who I am. I'm certainly an ordained pastor. I think that comes across clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow you have to like come up with a narrative that people are going to understand mm-hmm. and women in ministry is still a thing that people do not quite understand. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a process as well. How, how do you tell the story well? And, and yeah, I don't know if I'm doing it well or not, but <laughs> I'm no, doing it. I, I think you're doing a fantastic job. Um, just from what I can see from your marketing, how you are telling your story. I mean, I love, seeing how female priests and I just use that word generally. Um, I don't think Presbyterians, you guys don't call pastors priests, do you? No, we're pastors, ministers. Okay. Reverend, but it's, yeah. So forgive me for keep using the word priest. Um, I I just love it because it sounds so like, I don't know. It's kind of elitist probably. (laughs) I like it. It's like, super formal word that has all this power wrapped up in it. I just like it. Um, But so as a female priest or pastor, like wearing the clerical collar is something that's such a visual symbol of your profession and who you are and what you're doing and how women have um, kind of enculturated the collar in our own sort of styles and dress um, which you do really great. If you see any of your pictures on your website or social media, you know, you're still you and you wear a lot of dresses and different types of feminine clothes. Um, but you're wearing the collar, which is like 
so bossy and awesome. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually made a very, very conscious decision to wear the collar when okay. I started because, first of all, most of my ceremonies are outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so already, like, to see this woman pastor mm-hmm. in a collar, like, it's odd for people here, particularly in France, where if people know what Christianity is, it's really associated with the Catholic church. So it's, yeah. it's bizarre. It's sort of eye catching. It starts conversations, but I wanted, I wanted there to somehow be a message that even though I wasn't inside the church, mm-hmm. that I was still serving mm-hmm. and, and hopefully serving faithfully in this mm-hmm. kind of bizarre role. But um, I, I just cried tears of joy when I found the company that um, makes my clergy wear because they design only for women. And I was like, finally, I do not have to stuff myself into a man's mm-hmm. clergy shirt mm-hmm. in order to wear a collar. Right. So it was this kind of great thing where I got to meet the designers and she said, well, what do you want and how can we make that perfect for you? And, you know, like it has pockets. I put rings in my pockets like those sorts of things but you know clergy wear is not really made for women so right um, it was a pretty cool thing (laughs) for me yeah that's wonderful that's really great and so important that those types of resources continue to grow I I know a ton of my female clergy friends order stuff from different places I know there's a place in the UK that they get stuff from this is from the UK it's called collared Okay. clergy wear for women so it, it might be this one in the same yes. there's not that many of them yeah. but um you know also owned by women mm-hmm. um, and yeah. so it's great to support other women entrepreneurs that's actually one of the other pieces of entering into business that has been so great mm-hmm. because I've been able to support other women entrepreneurs and I've just built this right. amazing network of women you know the breaking the the industry molds. Like I have yeah. a woman who, a woman who sources champagne. That is not a woman's job here in France. Right. right. It, you know, even that it's like amazing to see these women doing just these fantastic things that somehow like you just want to be a part of because oh, it's beautiful. so cool. That's yeah. beautiful. Oh, I love that so much. Bringing other women into the fold and up, uplifting them through your work. Like that's, that's so rich. And uh, part of the gospel, I think, you know. Oh, I mean, it's so amazing. I, I know. I mean, there's people like you're the only pastor I've ever met. And you're mm-hmm. so cool. How's that possible? <laughs> I don't know if I'm cool, but I try to really live the message. And I, I'm trying not to beat someone over the head with a Bible. You know, I really mm-hmm. want to embody it. And mm-hmm. um, that means I have to be me at the same time. And I'm going to have piercings and tattoos and wear a dress like right (laughs) um okay so let's talk a little more theologically about marriage and why first of all i think part of the importance there's so many reasons why it's important i think for clergy to be able to have families and experience the sacrament of marriage because you can freaking talk about it with people as if you actually have understanding of what that is and how it works real basic. I don't understand, like I'll never get this whole celibacy thing in the Catholic church. And I love the Catholic church. It's, it's where I learned so much of my faith, but I, I don't know to have people counseling folks that have zero clue about having a relationship with somebody. Um, 
like in that intimate of a way I will never understand. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't claim to be an expert by any stretch. I think we've gone through some really hard times, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, we married pretty young for 23 mm-hmm. and, you know, we've been married 15 years now and yeah, I have some experience to speak from. <laughs> not all of it good. Um, <laughs> well, that's not going to be though. Like that's just... That's important. The bad parts or the difficult parts are just as important, I think. But when you, I guess before that, when you bring couples in, do you ever do premarital counseling with them or talk about what's happening and how, like, make sure you're marrying people that actually know what they're getting themselves into, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I actually work in many different ways and that's just part of my commitment to be one-on-one with people who are coming in. They're not just a client. They're people who need different sorts of pastoral care. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say 85% of my couples are in the church. They're seeking me because they're looking specifically for Mm -hmm. a pastor Mm -hmm. that just, they so happen to be getting married in Paris. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those folks we usually talk about it, but I will refer them back to their home church, to their pastor. Um, most of them have a, a church that they're attending, so they can do that real work mm-hmm. over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. But I also will do premarital. I mean, we'll do Skype. We can do FaceTime. It is not the same as sitting in the room with someone, but yeah. um, I can't not offer it to couples. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, I often get a sense, like, when when I – in my intake process for clients is that they'll get a questionnaire kind mm-hmm. of first off, like let's get to know each other to make sure we really are a good match. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that questionnaire really helps me start to understand what they think about marriage, what they think about the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. then this, it, for me, it gives me a healthy understanding of where people are starting from because mm-hmm. I want to be able to minister to people who have a very high sort of, thoughts about what marriage is and it's very sacred and it's very much in the church and should be part of the church Mm -hmm. um, understanding. But I also somehow want to like glean the edges and still be able to like bless the people who want a liturgical moment Mm -hmm. and don't quite understand Mm -hmm. or, or have a different understanding of Mm -hmm. what marriage is. Like it's, it's a very difficult sort of precarious position as a pastor, but Mm -hmm. I think in the end they're going to get married anyway. If they, you know, so yeah. it's, it's, if you can speak love and life and blessing into that moment at some point down the road, maybe it'll come back mm-hmm. in a really important way. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that is, that is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And just, and that's partially because I'm in this destination wedding location. Right. It may, it would look completely different in a different location, but yeah. Um, I just think that people deserve that moment of blessing if Mm -hmm. they desire it. Mm -hmm. Why do you think marriage is an important institution of the church? I think it's that partnership. It's, it even reflects the Trinity and that dance of relationship. Mm. Mm. And so, um, you know, I can't imagine my life without my partner. And that is certainly part of it. I have a view of marriage that, has been, you know, 
formed and, and rooted within my church life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's also this moment where I think the liturgical mind and, and for people who have like been raised in the church and then left, it's interesting to me that marriage will draw them somehow back into this moment of like of liturgy and liturgical living. Mm-hmm. And, and so I feel like people sometimes subconsciously have a much higher view of marriage <laughs> than they will actually say out mm-hmm. loud. Mm-hmm. And I think it's my job to point that out. And, and so I, I, often will reflect on the Trinity. I will often reflect on um, how love is perfected in our lives. And that's, mm. that's truly a reflection of God and one of the best images that we can come up with. You know, all of these theological things that you would weave into like 3,000 sermons over the course <laughs> right, of the ministry. Right. Um, I try to do in a very short period of time, but I think it just, hopefully it's a taste of what it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think like lays the foundation for a good marriage? And I'm sure, I mean, have, do you keep track of the couples you've married and what, how they're doing? And yeah, I, well, not every couple. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it would be, it would be nearly impossible, yeah, yeah. but there are certainly couples that I stay in contact with and have like a reunion if they come back to Paris, I'm going to see a couple in two weeks (laughs) they're coming back. But, um, you know, there's one couple in particular, they're they're walking through infertility right now. And Mm. I message them as often as I think of it Mm -hmm. to say, I'm praying for you. Mm -hmm. You are so loved. I am so sorry that you are facing this. They have a pastor and a church. It, it is not that they are without love or community. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, it's a reminder of, of my own calling, but also like that it matters, that, that marriage moment matters. And so if I can just say your love, like that's a reflection of that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I want to pray for people. I want to pray for my couples, um, mm-hmm. just like you would in a church where people are marrying. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever had to say no to a couple? I don't think I actually have. Um, other than maybe I'm booked or it's just mm-hmm. my schedule is too full. I find that most people who are seeking me out kind of have an idea of what they're getting before, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, beforehand. And so it, most of the time it's, it's a pretty good match because they're coming out of mm-hmm. the church or, Maybe they left the church and just want this sort of blessing moment. Um, but we s- tend to speak the same language and, mm-hmm. and think of marriage in many of the same ways. And so I find that by the time they get to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, do you see anything over and over again in these couples that you're like, this is going to be a successful marriage or they have at least the tools or the, foundation of what you hope to see in a marriage? I mean, I love it when I ask them, there, there's a couple of questions I think are really telling, but one mm-hmm. of the questions that I ask them, what, what do you not like about your partner? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really a fun thing for me to hear those answers. And I never misuse that in a ceremony. And sometimes sure. use it as a point of humor. But I think the couples that can answer that question 
are are thinking about marriage in realistic ways um or you know the it's the ones that say there's nothing that i just like about my partner that i worry about <laughs> um but then also i like to hear about what they've been through as a couple and those couples that have faced a lot of adversity mm-hmm. i mean those are the couples that went by the time they get to meet I can barely hold back the tears through their Mm -hmm. ceremony because you know Mm -hmm. that they're in it for the long haul. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think there's one couple where I'm doing a hand fasting and tying their knots and it clearly in the video, I am holding back tears that it was Mm -hmm. because when they had just read their vows and it was just like so touching Mm -hmm. um, that I, I felt I was just overwhelmed and honored to be mm-hmm. a part of it. Like they're mm-hmm. a really special couple. So yeah, I like to hear their story and, and just see what they've been through. And I think adversity, uh, for better or for worse, you know, mm-hmm. it, it makes a good foundation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's one of the things I look forward to most of being a priest is like, you are a part of that moment like ontologically, theologically, like you are wrapped up in that with them. And that's part of the being the church, you know, and you being a kind of vehicle through which the church blesses and, you know, sends forth and all those things. Um, it's a beautiful, holy thing. Like what a cool job, right? Absolutely. I mean, and it's, it's particularly emotional for me also when you get a couple that has, for whatever reason, felt rejected by the, the institution of the mm-hmm, church mm-hmm. or where one partner had left the church or, you know, you get all these various stories, but wow, it's overwhelming mm-hmm. um, to be the pastor standing between them for that ceremony, mm-hmm. doing this holy thing because you realize the, just the gravitas of what is happening and mm-hmm. that they've even invited you into the moment. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yeah. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Like that video you sent me of the two black men getting married was so beautiful. I was like tearing up and just getting, I don't even know these guys, but I was just like, oh my God, and their families and what they were wearing. I mean, it was just like all the little details. I was just like, oh. Yeah, I mean, what a special moment. And here I am getting to bless them. And and to hear the one say to the other, you brought me back to the church and showed me what love is. Like, mm. yes. Oh. Yes, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. Gosh, that's so beautiful and real. Yeah. And it makes me think of something you have on your website that I thought was really cool. Kind of you explain your theological values, perhaps, or that's how I explain it what this is, but your commitments to radical hospitality and welcome. Um, what does that mean exactly to you and how does that work out in your ministry? I think first and foremost, it means that I am going to bless all the people who come to me and very practically speaking in the church, that means, um, LGBTQ, IA people. I mean, mm-hmm. people who are being rejected for marriage by mm-hmm. the institution of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not saying no. Mm-hmm. I am saying a big, wide 
embrace of a yes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, sometimes that means I'm marrying couples who have li- literally been rejected mm-hmm. by the church. And so um, I think there's something to be said there. And, and it just, it means a hospitality that really has no boundaries. Um, that's tricky uh, theologically for lots of people. Um, I've received plenty of hate for that stance, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I'm not turning back. That's, that's where I need to stand right now. But for you, theologically, that is what you're getting from your faith, your education, your understanding of the gospel message is, are these things. Absolutely. Jesus welcomed all people. Jesus Mm -hmm. blessed everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love the story of the Samaritan woman where before he, because people say, well, he called the Samaritan woman into account, but what did he do before that? Mm-hmm. He gave her water, mm-hmm. you know, he gave her the source. And I think mm-hmm. like that's what we so often miss in the church and in the institution is that we're too busy sort of calling people into account. And, and like, then it's like, okay, well, we can all be called into account for various things. So let's not make church attendance mm-hmm. something that needs to be happening before I can marry you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's not make, um, Let's not make six weeks of premarital counseling and purpose, uh, you know, in person a requirement before mm-hmm. I will do this blessing upon you. <sighs> it's just, it's a very tricky mm-hmm. theological position, but, um, you know, Jesus put people first and Jesus blessed people before anything else happened. Jesus blessed people. Yeah. Yeah. And love being this thing that shouldn't require, um, I don't know, a ton of hoops to jump through. It's just freely given, right? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, isn't that the basis of even the evangelical understanding of, mm-hmm. of the gospel message? Right. So I feel like I can take that language of grace and love and, and just say, like, let's be relentless with it and... Mm. And let's move into this very modern time when people are choosing not the church mm-hmm. and say, Hey, we have something to speak into your life at this moment. Um, let me help you in mm-hmm. this moment. Well, anything else you want to add? Um, you asked about my name. I don't think I ever said it, but Ruffled by Grace is yes. um, sort of my name, my brand, if you will. And I came up with that kind of at a fairly dark time in my own life. Um, and I just had this sense of like, man, I'm just being so disheveled Uh, (laughs) and like, I'm just, I'm being disheveled constantly, just disheveled. And, and what I realize now in retrospect, that in a lot of ways I felt, um, there was a spirit of protection around me Mm -hmm. and that maybe doors were being closed because other doors needed to open and Mm. I needed to take steps back in order to take steps forward. And, and so it just sort of evolved into this idea of being maybe less disheveled, which sounds so harsh Mm -hmm. and being a little bit more gently ruffled. uh, There's a double meaning there too, because you think of ruffles in terms of wedding dresses, um, but as a spiritual ruffling, uh, 
Yeah, like we should be a little made uncomfortable by God's grace, 100%. Well, and I think it does make us uncomfortable because as human beings, it forces us to see like almost where we can love people better and where Mm. if we're being ruffled, there's probably a reason for it. And Mm. usually it's to call us forward in the life of faith. And so um, marriage, the the beginning of a marriage is certainly a a starting point for lots of ruffling. (laughs) And so I I find it a little bit humorous, but um, the idea of grace in this way, in, in this sort of like, beautiful um poke <laughs> but it's just it's a it's a tangible touch uh mm-hmm. daily that helps me to move forward um, in the power of the spirit like that's what i want to portray in my life in in my marriage ministry and in my brand so that's mm-hmm. that's the name that's awesome so where can people find you on the internet on the web, you can find me at www.ruffledbygrace.com. Mm-hmm. I'm also at Ruffled by Grace on Instagram and on Twitter. Great. Great. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for your time and sharing your story. This is just so cool. I'm so excited for you and your, your ministry. And I think it's a really beautiful, wonderful thing. So, Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Reverend Michelle, for taking the time to call in from Paris to have this lovely conversation about the unique and meaningful work you're doing internationally for couples around the world. I'm in such awe of your vision and creativity to make the sacrament of marriage open to those who earnestly seek it in the church body. What a beautiful and rich tradition to keep alive in the backdrop of arguably the world's most romantic city. Join us next week, y'all, for another fascinating conversation with women in theology. And as always, please follow us on all the social media outlets and consider donating to the Theosophia Patreon page. And we will see y'all next week. Peace.